what does people plus food service plus conversation equal? The Food Service for Thought podcast. Produced by Forbes Heaver and Wallace and hosted by Carrie Clements and Justin Oliveras, the bi-monthly podcast connects the food service industry through in-depth conversations with chefs, restaurant equipment suppliers, food service establishment owners, and so many others that make up our wonderful industry. If you like food, people, and great conversation, we think you will enjoy the Food Service for Thought podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Food Service for Thought podcast, the podcast connecting the food service industry. I am here with Carrie. Carrie, good morning. Good morning, Justin. And dare I say, take two with this. Take and why two. do we say take two? Why is it take two, Justin? I don't know, because technology. Uh, is it maybe because we didn't check the audio first, which we, we have done this morning. Weird. That's right. Go. Our due diligence. Yeah. That, Jane just wanted to talk to us more. That's yeah, all it exactly. is. I have to see if you'll have to see if my answers are the same or did I completely change direction with the answers? Oh, Jane's right. assuming that I'm going to be able to read my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that penmanship looks like you were getting hit with a taser at the same time you were trying to write, but we'll, we'll make it work. Yes. Well, but the assumption is my notes match up the audio and then I can go from there. So, but anyway, yes. So this is take two for us, uh, which means we get the pleasure of interviewing Jane Bullock, uh, one of the owners of Antunas and also the chief purpose officer. And that's why she's on our call today, because she's got a fascinating job that um, brings change to people, the community, her, her team members, and, and the world, I think. So that's what we're doing today. All right. Well, before we do any of that, we need to start with our amuse-bouche questions. So, Jane, this is going to loosen us up, get us comfortable. All right. So the first question that we will ask you is, if you were a food, what food would you be? Well, I want to start out. Thank you, Carrie and Justin, for having me on the podcast. Which food would I be? Um, The food I enjoy the most are raspberries. And um, so I've gotten a little rounder over the years, like a raspberry. I'm ripe because I'm old now. And then as much as I love raspberries, there's those little annoying seeds that sometimes get stuck in your teeth. And I actually can be a little annoying at times. So I guess that, did I say raspberry last time? I wonder. Yes. No, I didn't write it down last time. Yep. Because that, that was a real, that's a really unique answer. That's great. Oh, that's right. Because she wasn't alcohol like <laughs> yes. most of the people. That we... What food would you be? A Bloody Mary? Like, no, come on. <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> all right. So, what food do you most often cook or cater or order in for the people that you love? Um, so, I don't cook a lot, even though we're in the food service industry. Um, but when I, two things that I, I know I can make, and what's 
funny is people actually ask me for the recipe. Family members ask me. One is quiche and the other is lasagna. And um, I tell key, tell everyone the key to the quiche that I make is um, heavy whipping cream. And um, lasagna, I just follow the box. Definitely nothing special about it, um, but it it is definitely a labor of love. Actually, recently, the other thing is we um, make really great ribs. Glenn smokes them outside on the grill. Um, and our daughter asked us about it. And I said, well, we boil them for about a, an hour and a half. And she said, people don't believe that boiling is part of the process. So I looked it up in my Betty Crocker book, which I have, and it's it's thumbed through and pages are ripped out and there's food on different pages. And it says in Betty Crocker's book to boil them for 20 minutes, but we do it for almost an hour and a half and they fall off the bone. Okay, now I want ribs for Oh, I know. I know. I agree. <laughs> that is totally a Midwest uh, preparation method for ribs. I remember being a kid and my parents doing that, the exact same oh thing, boiling ribs. And I always thought that was weird because they just look visually weird. Oh, they look to, awful. To be in a pot with boiling water yeah. and then you put them on the grill and you're like, what? What? Yeah. yeah. We don't do that in Texas. We just put them right on the grill, but we smoke slow smoke for a long time. Yes. I think that was the key too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, ribs for lunch. Right. Ribs for lunch. That's right. Raspberries for dessert. <laughs> And the last Amuse Boost question is, what is your go-to food if you are in a mood, I will say, right? If it's a good mood, if it's a bad mood, if it's a celebratory mood, what is the go-to food for you? Well, now I'm going to say ribs. Are you white? talking about it. Dang it. I, I'm listening to her talk, half of my brain. The other half of my brain is thinking I'm going to get ribs and barbecue salad. Uh, I mean, uh, potato salad and pinto beans for yep. lunch. That's All right. It's about that time. Yeah. That's a good It's about that if time. If we got finished with this fast enough, we could go have our lunch. So That's true. Okay. We'll talk really fast. <laughs> All right. So that is our moose-bouche. Thanks for playing along. Carrie, why don't we do a proper ado here for Miss Jane and give a little background introducer, and then you can ask the first um, of 700 questions that we have planned for Jane. All right. Um, Jane is, um, Antunas is her family business. She and her husband, Glenn, are at the helm of the organization, and um, they have handpicked some amazing team members. They are one of the factories that um, I, I guess like it's just the whole picture, everybody you interact with are on the same page. I don't, I know that's not an effortless thing. I know a lot of hard work goes into that. Um, but what Justin drew me to wanting to have this conversation, my, my personal wish was um, because there's this kind of this heart it's kind of indescribable, really, the heart of Antunas. And then, um, and, and I got interested when I got to tour. Um, Jane hosted us, um, a women's group, Women in Food Service, they hosted us. And it was clear that all of their team members, men or women, were very equally important to them. And, um, and they showed that internally and then also externally with the things that they do in the community locally 
in their okay. community and then just further reaching like the work that they do with splash and other things. So um, we, we got to talking at NAFM and, and she agreed foolishly to tell us <laughs> the, um, the purpose behind the chief purpose officer and what, what drives that and what, what they want to do with that. So I guess big picture is we wanted to know, what Jane wanted to accomplish and what Antunas thought to accomplish and how that's been evolving as, as her title is chief purpose officer. So that's the first question, I guess. And that's a big question, but you know, learning about how that came about and what y'all are doing with it. Yes. Thank you. Um, so the chief purpose officer um, became my title uh, when Glenn and I were in a seminar, I'm going to give a plug to Loyola University in Chicago. Um, they had a wonderful um, uh, seminar about how profit and purpose can interact in society. And um, there we had a series of speakers and somebody mentioned that uh, there is a person who is the chief purpose officer at their company. And I'm like, wow, that is a really fun and cool um, title. So we did start with Splash, which is a nonprofit organization in Seattle. If you look up Splash International, um, they bring clean drinking water to children in schools now. They actually started with orphanages and they are mostly in the Asia and then the um, Northern Africa um, is their locations right now. And um, so we started by doing fundraisers for Splash. We started um, raising money, uh, spreading awareness that there's many people who do not have clean drinking water. And then um, the more we got involved, uh, I knew that our team members have other outside interests and we started allowing people to volunteer during working hours. We also uh, donate to organizations that is important to them when they make a donation. So we just kind of expanded what purpose meant. Um, and then, of course, the whole idea of sustainability became very important. So under my role, we also talk about sustainability and um, we're composting now, we're recycling as much as we can. And one of the things that I am able to speak about in this position and thank you for having me on the podcast so I can share our story, is that many times when you expand your purpose in your company, you actually can be more profitable. So it, profit's not a bad word. If we don't have enough profit in our company, we won't be able to donate and we won't be able to take time off during work to do some service hours. So, um, what we found when we started recycling and having less um, garbage pickup, we were really saving a lot of money and then we would recycle it and actually get money back. So it took just a little bit of time for our team members to start sorting our recyclables. And it was a, it was really positive. Um, and then the, the whole idea of the philanthropy we do want to empower our team members in personal development, feeling good about their work, feeling good about the company they work for. And that's how we just keep expanding what we're doing along the purpose line. 
Um, and Carrie, as you were saying that you really enjoyed the tour at our company and the people that you've met, culture is very, very important with us. Um, as Carrie mentioned, my husband, Glenn, and I are the owners. Glenn is the chief executive officer. He is our CEO and, and gives us our true north direction of um, kind of that compass of what we should be doing as a company. And very, very much people first is what's so important. So how we hire, how we engage in our team members is extremely important. As a people person and and just, you know, enjoying the humanity of most humans, not all, um, you know, walking through their how how you can make a giant manufacturing facility seem like a home i don't know i've not experienced it before and i'm very proud of of our manufacturers and what i've seen in there and so i'm not saying you know i haven't been to all of them so i'm not saying you know i'm not doing a comparison when i say that my experience and maybe it was because of the purpose that i was there i'm not sure but it felt like a home even in the very clean uh sterile manufacturing floor and and areas and um it, and it's because of the welcome mats isn't it do what it's because of the welcome mats isn't it it's a welcome mats they're everywhere yeah it's the, <laughs> it was really it was the energy so um i hope you i hope you go soon and, I, and I do too Going James there. there. She gives a great tour. I'm going to have raspberries, just a little Ziploc bag of raspberries that I can walk around and just (laughs) munch on as I'm going. Uh, Jane, I I did have a question for you a minute ago when you mentioned when you were um, at Loyola and you were uh, kind of first discovered the chief purpose officer. And then you kind of said that profit is not a bad word. And I wonder if you bump up against some resistance with that philosophy when you're kind of on the side of the the charitable efforts uh, giving back where what you just said I thought was a great thing is they sort of feed each other, right? If, if you're profitable, you're able to take time away to do that giving back. But um, a lot of places that – I just was curious if you ran into that where people that were focused on the charitable side and the giving back side and the service side – if they sort of had a, a negative view of companies that were focused on profits because maybe they were misinterpreting what the what their goal was? Uh, no, I have not had any problem when I, I've said that. And the, the nonprofits are definitely trying to figure out how they can do more fundraising, how they can uh, bring in additional funds. And they, you know, when there was the pandemic, the funds went down for nonprofits. So they know that we need to continue our business. Um, one of the things that we talked about at Loyola, so they have a, a bomb heart center, which is their logo or their, their mantra is the intersection of purpose and profit. And um, what we found during the course was the government lays a very low bar for what we should be doing in terms of, let's say, sustainability or environmental friendly, uh, even what we should be doing with um, how to improve team members' lives. But businesses have to raise that bar. The government's bar is very low. We as business owners need to raise the bar and say, this is what's important for our our planet 
for our team members, our people, and um, and the societies we touch. So, uh, no, I haven't had any any pushback on it, and I do try and spread that word as much as possible. Uh, but what was interesting in the course, I had taken quite a few courses from Loyola, and the the main um, facilitator like loves me and knows knows our company. And in this program, we had small groups, and Glenn's small group, um, they talked so negatively about CEOs and the coursework we were learning about are how some of these huge organizations, they say they're going to do so much for their people and the planet, and they're taking these millions and millions of dollars in a salary. And it's like, Glenn is not that CEO. He doesn't have a huge salary. We pay a lot of taxes. And he was just looked as this evil CEO. And here I'm looked at, you know, as this, <laughs> this star child. So it was really funny. Our experiences in our small groups were, were very different. Um, but unfortunately, some people paint the corporate corporations with a uh, single stroke and they're all evil. And yep. It's a shame. So we try and get the message out like these type of podcasts. So I appreciate that we can tell our story. Well, you know, I think I've experienced, okay, first of all, we're a small company, but people make assumptions, well, Carrie, you're a business owner, so right. you don't have to worry about that, you know? Um, and my, my dad said once to me um, that once you become a business owner, it, you know, and he never was, once you become a business owner, you know, then you just don't have as many problems. And of course, um, I I don't I don't know every CEO or every business owner, but I can tell you you have different problems. But you know, definitely it, it is problems. It different problems, but it is funny um, the assumptions that are made. And you know, there's good and bad of every single per, every single silo of people. Um, you know. Uh, but yeah, that let me let me tell you something my dad said, and I, I feel bad. I, I wish I remembered a lot more of my dad's comments. But many years ago, I was probably in high school and I said, well, you don't have a you're your own boss. You don't have a boss that you know is telling you what to do. And he said, I don't have one boss. I have hundreds of bosses. All my customers are my boss. And um, I always think it's funny when people say, oh, I want to have my own business. It's like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. You didn't want to sleep at night. You wanted to be working every weekend. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. It is a unique heartbreak and joy all at the yeah, same time. Exactly. And, and we're really privileged. Glenn and I are at the place in our lives um, that we can bring in some of these fantastic initiatives that people are are running with and we'll bring in an idea and then what's fun is our team members come up with additional ideas or run with it in in different directions um definitely the whole idea of food waste and recycling um, people have definitely jumped on that which is really fun to see well if, if you don't mind, will you kind of walk through some of the initiatives? I, I know, you know, you have the, the dollars for doers where you guys are matching 
for volunteer hours, you're allowing your team members to go out uh, during work hours and volunteer. Can you just kind of run through a, a list of what you're willing to share that y'all do that you find fulfilling? Sure. Um, so in terms of the philanthropy side, um, we do have a big golf outing in September for Splash. Um, we do fundraisers. So we've done a hot dog day. We sell um, chips and chips and nachos. Um, we have Mother's Day, Father's Day raffles. We raffle off um, a parking place that is close to whatever door the team member who wins, they get to choose where it is because we have extremes here in the Chicago area. Well, like we had snow yesterday and we had 76 degrees on Saturday. Um, yesterday was a Monday. So we can have really, really cold weather. And then in the summer, very, very humid. So the parking raffle is a big one. Um, and then some uh, like one team member's um, children has MS. And so we do, she does the MS, uh, multiple sclerosis walk and uh, she raises money. Uh, a couple team members have brought up breast cancer awareness. So in October, we do um, a big fundraiser for that and we donate to that organization. And we asked our team members if they would support Splash as our corporate charity. And that was in 2011. But we always state, we know you might have organizations that you are passionate about. So then we, um, yes, as you said, with Dollars for Doers, you donate two hours, we will pay um, $25 for both hours and donate to that the organization of your choice. If we do matching donations up to $200 um, to any organization, we don't do it to um, specific religious organizations or political organizations. Um, and then we've also partnered with the food bank, which is nearby. It's only a 20 minute drive from work. And actually last week we drove um, 20 people from work uh, we rented a van and actually then I even drove and we brought team members from work out to the food bank and we did an assembly line, which we were very, very good at. We finished even earlier than they expected because we're so good. Um, and that allows us to be into the food side of it since we're in the food service industry. Our organization called NAFM, um, they will donate to Feeding America they will match any donations we make to our local food bank. So that's uh, just a win-win for everybody. The, the money comes back into our neighborhood food banks, which is just fantastic. The other thing we did that was really fun last year, the food bank brought 500 kits to our facility. We set up a very small assembly line and we had, um, I think about 56 team members were able to work at the plant and do service hours uh, in our facility. So we really like that idea. So two ideas that we've gotten, um, that we've put into place, drive people to the, um, the organ, you know, to the service place and also um, bring it in in-house. So we're trying to do that. So that's on the, on the philanthropy side. Carrie, what Jane didn't tell you is that all Midwestern companies that deal with snow also do a reverse parking lot raffle, where if you get in trouble as an employee, 
you pull out the spot and it's one of the last five oh, spots in the back of the parking lot in the middle of winter and that's that's it and you don't even get to use a scraper to clean off your, your windshield you just gotta you just gotta wait for the, just gotta wait that's funny now she's writing that down justin no just kidding food service for thought podcast we hope you enjoyed it and a big shout out to forbes heaver and wallace and everyone on the team for producing the first ever food service rep driven podcast Please subscribe, rate, and review. Oh, and go eat out at your local restaurant or grab some takeout or delivery, even if you are just in the mood for some apps or dessert. Every bite helps.